Hey, well, it's so great that you joined us today and uh, we're, we're just trying to connect people and stay, keep people connected even though we have got social distancing going on. But we're going to go to the Word of God right now. And so if you've got your Bible, thanks team. Uh, our team are doing an amazing job here. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go to the book of Jeremiah and we're going to look at a random passage today. Uh, and the passage comes from Jeremiah chapter 29 and it's verse 11. Uh, I suppose you guessed it right there. Many of you know this verse off by heart, but I believe this is a relevant verse for where we are today. And Jeremiah, the prophet says, he's prophesying the words of God. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. That's good news. Not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's got plans for us? I like that. He says, I know. So he's confident in the plans that he has for you and I today. Many people's plans, I know, have been thrown up in the air for the next wee while. In fact, a lot of people going, well, I planned this and I planned this. And, and, you know, all those have been thrown out of the window. But aren't you glad in the midst of it, God's got a plan? And his plan is to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a future and a home, a hope. And, I, you know, here God says, I know. In other words, he's confident in what he's selling us. There's nothing worse than going into a restaurant and the waiter's not confident of what's on the menu. You ask them, oh, well, what's the best dish? And they go, oh, well, none of them. Actually, they're all bad. How many know you wouldn't stay in that restaurant for long? But when it comes to God, He's confident in what He's selling. He says, I know the plans I have for you. The plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. You know, when you're not confident of something, nobody's going to buy it. And God is saying, you know, through the words of Jeremiah, He's saying, I want to give you confidence when it comes to your future. I've got great things in store for you. And in fact, if you, you understand this verse, and many people have just taken verse 11, but they don't know the context of the Scripture. Yeah, right. The context of the Scripture is that the Israelites were in exile. Yeah. Jeremiah had been prophesying for years, you're going to go into exile. And, but the people didn't listen, they didn't believe, but it eventually happened. And as a result of that, Jeremiah comes along and brings a word to them. And we're going to pick it up from verse 4 just quickly. It says, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to the captives. He is exiled to Babylon. He says, What I want you to do, verse 5, build homes and I want you to plan to stay. Now, now, first of all, I want to clarify something. We don't want you to stay in isolation forever. <laughs> but here's the deal. We could be in this for a, a bit of time. Okay, it says build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce, marry and have children, and then find spouses for them so that they may have grandchildren. Now, I pray to God we're not around for that long. That's a long, long time. Uh, but, uh, but these people were in captivity for a long time. But these are the words God said through Jeremiah. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to multiply and not dwindle away. I want you to work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. And I want you to pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. If we jump down to verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon 70 years. 
Now, we're in four weeks at the moment, but, uh, you know, you're going to be 70 years, he says to the people there. He says, but don't fear, then I'll come and I'll do for you all the good things I've promised and I'll bring you home again. Uh, in other words, you're going to get out of this. In verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. We've got to be glad we have a God who listens and who wants to answer us. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord, and I'll end your captivity and I'll restore your fortunes and I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and you'll come home again to your own land. Whoa, how relevant is that today? I believe what this verse is saying is even in your captivity, even in your isolation, you can find me. There's going to come a time where I'm going to restore back everything that's been lost. But in the middle of where you are right now, I want you to flourish. I I want you to know me. I want you to find me. If you seek after me, you're you're going to find me. It was some years ago, Kathy and I were going to the lawyers to sign some documents and uh, we took her passport along and, uh, and it, it had her name and the lawyer had to verify it was her name. But the lawyer pointed out that her passport didn't match her birth certificate. Uh, her name and her, her passport was different. They had spelt her middle name and her passport, what she thought was correctly. It was Eleanor and they had spelt it E-L-E-A-N-O-A. But in her birth certificate, her middle name was spelled E L E. N-O-A. So I was missing the A. And so uh, we're we're going, what's up there? And Kathy goes, no, uh, my name has an A in it. But in her birth certificate, it didn't have an A. And I'm going like, do I really know you? It's like, you know, all this time, you know, for for 40 something years, you believed your name had an A where it actually didn't have an A. Could it be that sometimes we discover we're not who we think we are? You know, and when it comes to God, I believe, you know, your potential is, is undiscovered. And many people have been limited in life and they think different things about themselves than what God thinks. I love it when it even comes to God's plans. God says, I know the plans I have for you. The question we're going to ask is, whose plans are they? Because many of us have got plans. But sometimes our plans and God's plans can be different. And I believe you can flourish when you align yourself to who God says you are and you align yourself to His purpose. As when you do that, as Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, God is able to work all things together for good for those, to those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. You know, I, I, I believe this time, yeah, it can feel like we're in a place of captivity, But I want us to believe together that this could be a time where we actually flourish. In fact, I was reading and I saw a meme that Isaac Newton in 1665 was in a time of isolation during the bubonic plague. And it was in that time of isolation, he actually came up with the theories of gravity and calculus. He made some amazing discoveries in his place of isolation. Many of us will know Paul the Apostle, who wrote a lot of the Bible, he actually wrote it from a place of isolation. He wrote it from a prison cell. I wonder 
what is going to be released during this season of isolation. I wonder what ideas are going to come out. I wonder what books are going to be written. I wonder what innovation is going to spring forth because God is going to speak to us during this time. So many people are thinking, well, once this four weeks is up, I can get back to my life. No, I want to declare your life starts now. It's today. God is wanting to work in your heart and He's wanting to do something significant in your life today. And when you know Jesus, you can flourish in any environment. Here God tells the Israelites who are in captivity, in the place of restriction. He's saying, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to get married, have children, increase, multiply. You know, some, for some, maybe, you know, this could be a season where you reach out to that somebody special online. Uh, you know, who knows? It could be a season of flourishing in many ways. I want to say, if you're a student, don't wait till afterwards to flourish. Flourish now. You know, even when it comes to your studies, so many people think, well, you know, I'll flourish once I graduate. No, God wants you to flourish in the season you're in right now. You know, I'm saying to the mums out there, many people think, oh, my life's on hold, my career's on hold because I've just had kids. No, God wants to use the season you're in right now and He wants you to flourish right now. I I think so many people feel like they're stuck in jobs, that they feel like it's not their ultimate destiny. But but I've found in God, God will always use where you are right now to lead you to where He wants you to go in the future. And it's how we look at where we are right now determines whether we enter into everything that God has for our life. You know, when it comes to even where we live, if you're living in rented accommodation, come on, flourish now. It's not when you own your own home. No, look after that home now. Flourish in that environment now. And then you'll find that God will lead you into all that He has for your life. See, as a church, you know, we're not waiting till we gather together to flourish. I believe when we get together, there'll come a time because God knows the plans He has for us. He's going to bring us all back together in one environment and we're going to experience God God moving by the power of His Spirit. But we're not waiting for that to flourish. We can flourish now. That's why we're streaming online. People are connecting. People are being ministered to. You know, people's needs haven't gone on hold. You know, this is a time where God wants to use you and He wants to do it now. I believe there's a now time in God. And God is saying, even in your captivity, I want you to multiply. I wonder whether this could be a season of multiplication. In fact, with the Israelites, you know, the harsher Pharaoh made the conditions, the more they multiplied. I I believe as believers, (laughs) the harsher the, the conditions around us, the more you and I can flourish in our environment. See, many people today, they live you know, according to their predicament, according to their situations. Mm. Uh, but God's saying, even though your predicament and your situations may change, I don't change. Yeah. And I want you to flourish in whatever environment you find yourself in. Mm. Listen to how Psalm 92 puts it. Verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish. The righteous shall flourish. You are the righteousness of God. I don't know if you know that. But righteousness is not something that we earn. Uh, we, we, we receive the righteousness of God by simply believing. Abraham, the father of faith, it says he believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And, and here the psalmist says the righteous flourish. If you're a believer in Jesus, 
Yeah, again, your righteousness is not according to your behavior. Your righteousness is according to what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? Shall flourish in the courts of their God. Yeah, we may not be meeting in one space right now, but that doesn't need to, that doesn't mean you need to stop flourishing. You can be planted in relationships. You know, in fact, we've got a whole lot of online groups that you can join up with and still be planted in those relationships and have devotions together and encourage one another. You know, and those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of, of God. And it says they shall bear fruit in their old age. Man, that's a great promise. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and they shall be flourishing. Here, the promise of God for you is that in your old age, you'll be fresh, not old and grumpy, but fresh and flourishing. And that word flourish simply means to break forth, means to spread out, to fly, to spring up. And I'm convinced as believers in Jesus, we're called to flourish. And I live with this understanding that the kingdom of God works anywhere and everywhere. Now, we have a lot of churches in many different nations, and I work with a lot of pastors, and some pastors say, well, you know, it's different here. And normally that's an excuse for not flourishing. You know, oh, well, it's different here. It's like God's restricted here. How many know there's no limit to God's power? And, And if it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom works anywhere, and it works everywhere. You know, to a degree, some cities are different from other cities. And right now there's different conditions and restrictions around different people. But the fact of the matter is God's power is is available to each and every one of us wherever we are. We can know God working in our lives and working through our lives. You know, London and Otaki are different cities, but God wants to work in both of those cities. You know, Calcutta and and Tonga, different cities. But again, God wants to work in, in all those cities. You know, God wants to work in Dunedin and Wellington. He wants to work all over the show. And I'm convinced that, that, that if it's kingdom, it works anywhere. Mm. See, see, religion only works within the four walls of a building on a Sunday morning. But kingdom principles, they work in the church on a Sunday in a gathering point. They work online. They work in the marketplace. They work in places like Thames. They work in Berlin. They work in a small group. They work in a big crowd. They work in a lawyer's office. They work in a sports field. You know, they work with a band, without a band. You know, the kingdom of God, if it's kingdom, it works anywhere and everywhere. You know, one thing I say, I don't want to preach something on Sunday that doesn't work for people on Monday. And I love you know, how Jesus taught because he taught more than anything else. He taught about the kingdom of God. And, and when it came to the good news, the good news, according to Jesus, was that the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, another way of saying that the kingdom of God is near. It's accessible. It's accessible to everyone. It is there. You just need to believe. Yeah, in fact, he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You, know, you need to change your mind, change how you think about this. That, that's what repent means, for the kingdom of God is at hand. See, to access the kingdom, we've got to think different. In fact, the kingdom of God can be counterintuitive. It's often called an upside-down kingdom. 
in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great, you've got to serve. If you want to find life, you've got to actually lose your life. If you lose your life and give it over to Jesus, you end up fine life. To, 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 to live, you've got to die. Die to yourself. Die to your selfish ambitions. And then you truly live. You know, if you want to increase, the Bible talks about giving. Giving is the key to increasing in life. You know, what's mentioned in Jeremiah, this whole passage can be applied on many levels because I feel like there's a whole lot of people who are in captivity right now. Yeah, we can be free on the outside, but how many know we can be bound on the inside? We can be bound to our past, bound to fear, bound to insecurity. You know, you can have freedom, but but on the inside, everything's locked up. And what we're going to understand about true freedom, how it comes about, is it, it starts from the inside and it works itself out. The, the kingdom of God is never outside in. What you've got to understand, it's inside out. It works on the in and it manifests itself on the outside. In fact, Jesus, time and time again, would rebuke the Pharisees. You know, they were one of the main targets that he had. And in Matthew chapter 23, he really goes strong at them. And in verse 25, he says, What sorrow awaits you teaches the law and, and, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, For you, you're careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. He says, You're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. He said, First wash the inside of the cup of the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Verse 27, what sorrow awaits you teaches the law, it teaches of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. And he says, outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, what was Jesus doing here? He was rebuking them because they were thinking outside in. They were thinking, well, if we just embrace the behaviors, you know, we'll be right with God. And God says, no, 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 no. It's about your heart. He said, I want you to clean the inside of the dish. And he says, the outside will take care of itself. But how much of our attention is on the outside? See, we live in a world right now that's focused on the outside. If I just do this, do this, do this, then I'll be accepted. But God says, no, what I want is your heart. And if you work on the inside, the outside, uh, your situations will take care of themselves. See, outside in thinking is is all about, about waiting for your predicament to change. Waiting for your circumstances to change. Or once that all changes, then everything will be, you know, then. No, no. What you've got to understand is when your heart changes, your issues change. Come on, if we want to change the issues around our life, we've got to actually look after our heart. Proverbs 4 puts it this way, above all else. So this is a top priority. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Yeah, we can face some challenging situations. But ultimately, if you look after your heart, your situations will begin to line up with what's on the inside. We see that in the life of 
of, of Daniel and Joseph. Man, Daniel and Joseph, they faced some challenging times, but God promoted them because they kept their heart right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love the story you know, of, of, of Daniel because God did, didn't deliver him from the lion's den. He delivered him in the lion's den. Yeah. So many people are wanting God to deliver them from their situations. Yeah. But God wants to deliver you in the midst of your situation. He wants to give you peace in the storm. And I like Joseph because Joseph found favor in Potiphar's house. He had been sold into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house and and he found favor there. He, He got falsely accused. And many of you know the story. And in the end got thrown into prison. But even in prison, Joseph found favor. In fact, in Genesis 39:21, it talks about how the prison warden put him in charge of the whole prison. Now, what prison warden puts a prisoner in charge? <laughs> in verse 23, it says, The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Man, that is some type of favor that in prison, <laughs> Joseph flourished. And I'm convinced that, that God wants you to flourish right where you are right now. Right. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be, but we've got to be confident that, that God's led us there. And, and you've got to be convinced that the place you're in right now is fertile ground for God's work to thrive. Maybe in this time of physical isolation, God wants to release a new idea. Maybe in this time of physical isolation, businesses are going to get birthed. Maybe in this time of physical isolation, come on, God's going to bring healing to hearts. Maybe in this time of isolation, you know, you're going to connect via social media and you're going to be used of God to bring hope into a world that right now needs to hear hope. There's a lot of fear being propagated. Come on, we need to be dealers in hope. Uh, right now, God wants to use you and, and we can just get into an environment where I'm just going to you know, hunker down for the next week and just survive the next week. Or we can determine in our heart, no, the next four weeks, God's going uh, to use me. He's going to speak to me. He's going to bless me. And I'm going to flourish in this environment. Yeah, God's going to change my predicament one day. I may be in prison right now, but if I live inside out, it's only a matter of time before my outside world aligns with what's in my ins- uh, what's on the inside. Come on, carry a dream, a big dream on the inside. Yeah, a dream for your future. I believe 2020 is going to be an incredible year. You know, I know a whole lot of things have happened at the beginning of the year. None of us really anticipated on this, but, but God's in control. And He has the ability to, to work all things together for good for those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. You know, one thing I've found, as God's promises, are, they are yes and they are amen. And, and when it comes to the promise of God, you've got to get it in you. you know, I found if you can talk somebody out of something, it was never in them in the first place. You know, I haven't done much pre-marriage counseling, but I've heard some counselors have a strategy to actually try and, before people get married, to try and separate a couple. You know, because it's off the premise, if they're wavering now, they're going to waver later on. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing we need to be as believers is convinced in what God's promised. Yeah. You know, convinced in God's plan. God says, I know He's convinced. I know the plans I have for you. So good. Yeah. The question we're going to ask ourselves, are we convinced? Yeah. Yeah. 
Because when it came to the promise of God, you know, Abraham again, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 19, Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Verse 20 says, But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God, for he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. I believe, you know, in this season, let's live fully convinced. Fully convinced. Come on, that word God spoke to you at the beginning of the year is going to come to pass. Come on, let's believe it. It may look different right now, but I like Abraham was old, Sarah's womb was dead, but he, he didn't waver. Some people may be wavering right now. You know, I believe uh, you, if you can hear the word of God today, you know, I, I want you to get stronger in your conviction, stronger in your belief. You're not here by chance. God's got a purpose for your life and He wants to use you to do great things. Yeah. Uh, in the end, this, this environment is a great place for all of us to discover God at a deeper level. I believe in this place, we're going to go deeper in our relationships with God, but we're also going to go wider in our influence and our impact. Now, just quickly, I want to take you to verse 7 of Jeremiah 29. It says, listen to what the Word of God was. It says, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. This is Babylon. He says, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. At this time, this is not a time just to be concerned about our welfare. I believe if we can pray for our city, our nation, you know, and, and have this under, understanding, its welfare will determine our welfare. Wow. We're here. Yeah, God wants to bless our life, but ultimately the blessing in our life is so that we can bless other people. Yeah. His plans to prosper us aren't for our own selfish needs. Mm. His plans to prosper us, to give us a future and hope, so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. You know, see, we've got to understand the purpose of captivity. Sometimes God puts us in a place of restriction and He does it to form something within us. And I believe God wants to use, you know, He didn't ordain this, He didn't bring this COVID-19 around, but He wants to use it to do something great in your life if you just choose to put your trust in Him. See, I'm convinced about this. God's convinced about the plans He has for you. I wonder whether you're convinced. I'm convinced God is right where you are right now. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm convinced that that Christ in you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. I'm convinced right now that greater is He that is in you than anything that's in the world. And when you're convinced in your nature, in nature, just by nature, you're going to convince others. See, I believe we need more people who are just convinced. Who don't just have a theory, an idea, but, but who really know the person of Jesus and through seeking Him out, have begun to discover that, that God's good, that you can trust in Him. Now, this is a point where you can trust in many different things, but I believe the best person you can trust in in life is God because He knows the end from the beginning and He has a plan and He has a purpose for your life. In fact, Proverbs put it this way, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A lot of us are trying to figure out what's it all going to look like. You can, you can spend an age trying to do that. But one situation can change all that in a moment. 
lean not on your own understanding. It says, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. Come on, let's walk down a straight path that leads to life, that leads to freedom, that leads to peace. God wants to do something significant in your life, but it's as we put our trust in Him. I don't know what's going on in your heart right now, but I want to encourage you to bring it back into line with God's love, bring it back into line with the fact that God's got a plan and purpose for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope in Jesus' name.